We're taking you from sideline to sideline and everything in between. It's your one-stop shop for all things football. Join me, Aaron Mukes, every Wednesday and Friday for fresh takes, breaking news, fantasy gold, and more. College and NFL, we got you covered. This is Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. Ball is spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is... Here comes the rush, and here's the hit. Second down attempt. Oh, what a hit. You can't do that. The quarterback, you can't fight. The 40, the guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20, they're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms. Here, tested. Somebody stop that man. Ladies and gentlemen, now your host, Mr. Aaron Mukes, and his co-host, Akeem. This is your one-stop shop for all college and NFL football. Here is Sideline to Sideline. Week one is in the books. Welcome in to Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. I am your host, Aaron Mukes. What a week it was, man. A lot of great action. So excited the season has started. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about my main pet peeve today, and, and I, I don't I'm not gonna use this as my rant, but I might rant twice today. I, I got a special rant, but I'm also gonna rant a little bit about week one overreactions and you know the shit talking that goes on after week one that changes by week you know nine and then changes again by week fifteen and then changes again in, in the playoffs. You know, we're, so we're gonna talk a little bit about that. I have my recap from week one, some takeaways. Uh, we're going to talk about Baker and the Browns, Matt Patricia, Aaron Donald, and how he destroyed the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. Uh, again, I'm going to give you my power rankings, and then we're going to do uh, week two picks, how I did on my week one picks, and then game previews for the week. So we got a lot to get to. Uh, let's go sideline to sideline. Let's rock. Uh, first up, reports Dallas has no interest in signing Earl Thomas still after giving up 422 yards on defense. Uh, a little disappointed by that, but kind of expected. We don't really have a lot of money to to play with. And all indication is that he's been a cancer in the locker room the last couple of years. So I think I think we're trying to stay away from that and that toxic relationship. Uh, second report is Odell Beckham. <clears throat> it might be on the trade block again. <laughs> seems like we have this conversation every year. Once again, week one, he didn't produce whether it's Baker Mayfield or Kevin Stefanski. Uh, Odell had three catches for 22 yards and just looked out of sync. And the Browns, as, as a team, just looked out of sync. And once again, a team with a lot of hype coming into the season is now being looked at as a huge disappointment. Now, obviously, it's just week one, and we're going to talk about overreactions. But I would be remiss to point out that they did this last year as well. So it uh, could be the same old Browns. And then obviously the big story is the injuries that took place over the weekend. Marlon Mack with the Achilles injury. Philip Lindsay has turf toe. Uh, Blake Jarwin tore his ACL. And Leighton Van Der Esch of the Dallas Cowboys broke his clavicle. Uh, it's just, it's the NFL, man. Every week we seem to be talking about these injuries and how it's going to impact teams. I think that the Marlon Mack injury is, is one that, I don't want to say it's, it's not as impactful as the others, but I think the Colts' depth in the backfield will be okay. I think Jonathan Taylor is serviceable. Um, even as a rookie, I think he'll he'll be fine, especially with the veteran presence of Naheem Hines, who's a really good third down back. 
can catch out of the backfield. And you, you've seen that he had two touchdowns this week, and you see his effectiveness. He's, he's an athlete. You put him in space, and he makes plays. So I think they'll be okay. They talked about bringing in Lamar Miller. So we'll see if they decide to sign him. Um, the Philip Lindsay thing as well. They got Melvin Gordon there. Um, I, I don't think they're really going to be hurting too bad. It loses a little bit of depth, but we'll see how the turf toe responds and if he's able to come back in a few weeks. Uh, Michael Thomas sprained his ankle. Uh, there's talks that he's going to play through it. George Kittle sprained his knee. Again, there's talks that he's going to play through it. We will see next week. The Saints will play till Monday night, so Michael Thomas gets an extra day. And then we're going to look to guys like Cortland Sutton, Kenny Galladay, who did not play week one, and whether they're able to get back on the field, uh, Miles Sanders, and whether they're able to get back on the field for week two. So a lot, a lot, a lot of injuries, a lot of injuries. Um, expect more injuries to come. The one good thing that didn't happen was there were zero positive COVID tests. And in 2020, we're definitely looking at that. So no positive COVID tests on Saturday, which allowed everybody to play week one. Uh, so the NFL is doing a good job. The NFL's sending memos to teams about coaches wearing their masks on the sidelines. And they're obviously doing a good job with the testing and protocols to allow football to happen. So I don't see that changing in the near future. Even if there are positive tests, it looks like we're going to get a season in. All right, man, week one, uh, there were a lot of takeaways I had from week one. I got a lot of opinions. I posted some stuff on Facebook about who I was going to talk about, kind of setting the stage. I know you Niner fans are interested to, to hear what I have to say about Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners and that, that week one loss to the Cardinals. But I want to start out with somebody who I feel has been kind of, he's been overlooked the last two years. And He's been one of my favorite players in the league for a long time, and that's Aaron Rodgers. A, a sensational week one performance. Uh, four touchdowns. I mean, he just picked the Vikings defense apart. He was like 18 for 18 uh, when they tried to disguise coverage. He looked like the Aaron Rodgers of old. Uh, Green Bay consistently is being looked at as a team that's not quite there, even though they were in the NFC Championship game last year which is absurd to me because because of their, their style has kind of shifted. They've gone from a, a pass-first offense for most of Aaron Rodgers' career to now a run a more run-heavy um, kind of game plan under Matt LaFleur. And I think running the ball and playing good defense is a, is a focal point of his, but it's working. It's showing that, that it's working. And even in a down year, quote-unquote down year, where Aaron Rodgers threw like, 26 touchdowns and two interceptions. Uh, that's a down year, I guess. He had he managed to take Green Bay to the NFC Championship game. And now uh, an additional year with Aaron Rodgers developing that rapport. Another year their young defense gets, you know, gets experience and and they have a Bell Cal and Aaron Jones. And obviously, I can't say enough about Devontae Adams, one of the most underrated receivers in the game. Um he he's unbelievable. The most consistent wide receiver since he's been in the league. I think I, I think Devontae Adams right now is probably the second best receiver in football. And there's there's debates. Julio, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Tyreek Hill, what whatever. I would take I would take Devontae Adams number two, mainly because of his consistency. He is so consistent. He's always there. And his ability to get open seeing double coverage and all the attention is unreal. 
He is that good. Monster game for him. But Aaron Rodgers looked like he took exception to them drafting Jordan Love and said, wait a second. I'm not done yet. Uh, you need to slow, you know, pump your brakes on the Jordan Love talk because I'm still here. And and I liked it. I, I liked it. It looked like he played with a chip on his shoulder. And I really, really liked Green Bay's performance uh, against Minnesota. That's a good Minnesota football team. And they came out and they they gave it to him. So that was my biggest takeaway of the week. Uh, I want to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. Everything I heard on social media after the 49ers game was, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play well. We got to be better, Jimmy. And a lot of the guys were the same guys that were like, oh, Jimmy's our savior. Or Jimmy, you know, Jimmy's great last year. Or, Jimmy's good enough to win because he was in the Super Bowl. Don't change your tune after one game. If you felt that way before the Arizona game, you can't change the way you're feeling after one division game. I'm not a Jimmy Garoppolo guy. He's okay. I've always said that. He's an okay quarterback. He's not gonna, he's not ever gonna be that quarterback that wows me. He's a he's a serviceable quarterback. Uh he's been to a Super Bowl, but Jared Goff been to a Super Bowl. Rex Grossman went to a Super Bowl. Uh Trent Dilfer went to Super Bowl. So I'm not gonna gauge his particular skill set based on whether he made it to the Super Bowl. The fact of the matter is, is they went to the Super Bowl with a great play caller an outstanding running game, and a dominant defense. And if you have a serviceable quarterback that cannot lose you a game, you have a chance. And so that's what I feel. That's what I feel Jimmy Garoppolo is. He's good enough. He's good enough to win, but he's not special. He's not that guy that is going to be, you know, the Russell Wilsons or I don't see that. He's he doesn't, it's not in his game. And maybe he would if he was in a different offense, or, but he's never shown that he's going to be the guy that's going to throw for 5,000 yards and 35 touchdowns. That's not his game. And I think when you put him in situations where he has to do that, uh, he's far more prone to mistakes and, and you know, not, not leading his team to victory. So, <clears throat> so the biggest takeaway from that game, to be honest, was the Arizona Cardinals. They're good. They're, they're a good football team. And and with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins and that defense, that young defense getting better, they're going to be some a team to reckon with. And, and we talked about it preseason. Uh, they were one of my, my dark horses. I, I like Arizona. I wasn't sure about Cliff Kingsbury. But with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray looks like a – he looks like what everybody thought Baker Mayfield would look like in year two. He looks like a stud. And if he's able to run – 12 times and only get hit once. Um, then he doesn't have to worry about his his body holding up. He's going to be somebody that's going to be a problem for a lot of teams. So Niner fans, calm down. If you're a Raider or Cowboy fan and you're talking shit to the Niner fans, calm down. It's one game. It's week one. It was a division game. It was at home, but it, 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 I mean, I'm be, it doesn't matter. They say every game in the NFL matters. Week one matters, but it in this year, especially with no preseason, it, it, calm down. Just let's back up a little bit. The Niners are still going to be good. They have a good, solid defense, a good running game, a solid coach. Quarterback play is usually decent. They're going to win their fair share of games. And they're going to go this week, and they're going to get right against the Jets because everybody gets right against the Jets. So I'm sure they'll blow out the Jets. They'll get right back on track, and when they get their receivers healthy – um, that they'll they'll be right where they need to be. 
So again, calm down. And then one, another big takeaway from the week was these coaching decisions and a lot of debate, a lot of debate about Mike McCarthy going for it on fourth and three, the third down play call with third and six. And I was going to use this as my rant, but I'm a Cowboys fan, so I'm going to talk to Cowboys fans really quick. Stop questioning not stop. Don't question any fourth down call that Mike McCarthy makes. And yes, I'm going to say the reason I'm saying that is because the Dallas Cowboy fans have no right to question going forward on fourth down. I don't care if it's fourth and 20. I don't I don't, I don't care. I don't care if it's fourth and 20. We as Cowboy fans cried and complained and were pissed off for 10 plus years about Jason Garrett not having the balls to go for it on fourth down. And the first time Mike McCarthy steps into the into a game and chooses to go for it on fourth and three, the first thing is, oh, he blew the game because we should have just tied the game. I don't want to hear it. It was fourth and three. He chose to go for it. You should be happy knowing that we have a coach that's confident in our offense that we've all raved about. Oh, we got weapons. Oh, Dax throwing this, and we got Zeke, and CD, and Amari, and Michael Gallup, and Jarwin, and every Cowboy fan is talking about how explosive, every analyst, how explosive the Cowboys offense is. And we score 17 points, and we can't pick up a fourth and three, and we're inconsistent, but, which is fine, it's week one, that's fine, it's going to happen, but I don't want to hear the tears, I don't want to hear the tears about the coaching decision to go for it, Mike McCarthy, I'm behind you. I like the play calls. I thought third and six was they had six guys in the box on that play. They were playing for us to throw. It was a throwing situation. Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore decide, hey, we're going to go for it on fourth down no matter what. Let's run a quick little draw. Maybe Zeke bust for six. I mean, he was running well. Zeke looked very good. And for all those people that thought he was done, go watch that game again. He was finishing runs. His vision was there. He looked like 2016 Zeke. Go watch the game again. He looks good. So they gave it to Zeke. He picks up three yards. Rams made a nice play. They stopped him. Have no problem with the play call. If, he's, if he goes and gets the six yards there, nobody's saying anything. So fourth and three, we draw up a play. And I was listening to uh, Dan Orlowski, and I'm not a fan of his. He's a Carson Wentz guy. I, I'm not a fan of his, but he made a good point. The play call was actually a really, really good play call. And initially, I thought C.D. Lamb ran the route too short. But if you look at the design of the play, when he's running across the field, that tight end's coming across, the tight end kind of picks the defender. Their safety made an amazing play to beat C.D. Lamb to that spot. And maybe if it's a perfect throw, and maybe if C.D. Lamb runs it a yard longer, maybe we get the first down. But even if we run that play perfectly, he and he does what he was supposed to do on defense, he probably stops him short. And he made a great defensive play. And sometimes you just have to chalk it up to the defense. They made great plays. The Rams came in a little bit more prepared. They were a little bit, um, had a little bit more energy. You could see it in the game. But they were at home, home opener, new stadium. Let's be real. Calm down. Cowboy haters, calm down. The offense will be better. 
Cowboy fans, calm down. The defense should get a little bit better. Uh, not that the test gets any easier this week, but they should, you know, the longer they play together, they should get better. And let's just, again, calm down. Now, the one I'm not going to calm down about is the coaching decision by Vic Fangio in Denver, who absolutely blew a chance to, to win that game yesterday by not using his timeouts as Tennessee's driving. I don't care. I, I don't care that the, the kickers missed four field goals, an extra point. I don't. Who cares? He's in field goal range. You have a chance to get the ball back if you stop them with time on the clock. And you're just letting the clock tick down and tick down. And then when you explain it, you talk about the kicker had been struggling. Then Henry gets tackled out of bounds. And then they throw an incomplete pass. That was way after you should have been using your timeouts. That was about 50 seconds left when they got into field goal range. And you just let it tick down and tick down. And you gave Drew Locke and that offense no time to get into field goal range at the end of that game. That one's on Vic Fangio. And his explanation was even was even worse. And coaches like that in the NFL, they get way too much leeway. Somebody's got to call them out. That was not good. Not good. Bad, bad, bad clock management. Um, again, I watched it year after year with Jason Garrett. Bad clock management will lose you games. And eventually get you fired. So Baker and the Browns. I, I, I'm done. I'm done with Baker and the Browns. I don't want to hear any more Baker Mayfield talk. I thought he was gonna be he was gonna be good. And I'm just I'm I'm so I'm so upset by the lack of progression in his game it's it's getting worse now I know it's a new head coach and they played Baltimore so I give him a little bit of a pass but I see him on TV too much shooting every commercials about Baker Mayfield and I don't even understand how he's gotten so many commercials when he hasn't produced it's upsetting it really is uh and then Odell Beckham I'm uh, Odell Beckham you know, his one-handed catch, three fingers against the Dallas Cowboys has shot him into superstardom, and the production just hasn't been there. He's been more problems than production. Amazing talent. You know, he's gifted as an athlete, but the production and elevating his teammates and things like that that you would expect from a guy who has that much talent is just, it's not there. It's not there, and I think that I think they might, they might move on from him. I I really think they're starting to realize that Odell Beckham is not the player that we all hoped he'd be, and I think they might might move on from him. All right, it's time. It's time to rant. I'm gonna rant. I have this rant kind of covers two coaches, but two organizations in general. The NFL more than any sport, relies on coaching. Scheming, you know, it, it matters. And a lot of, you know, people in basketball or baseball, coaching may or may not matter as much. It matters, but not as much. But in football, coaching matters. But more so than that, you have to have talent. And I am sick. I'm sick to my stomach today. I'm sick and tired of organizations trading away players that they have no business trading because they don't want to pay him. Watch the games. 
DeAndre Hopkins not on Houston is a tragedy. And, and I feel bad because Marcus Spears ranted about this earlier today. And I, I'm, I'm, I felt every single word that he was saying. DeAndre Hopkins single-handedly makes Arizona now a contender in the West. That team, that offense with him, I, did, did you watch him? I mean, he, they, and they, Cliff Kingsbury made a point to get him the ball, probably to rub it in, in Houston's face. But why in the hell did Houston not want to pay this guy? Why? He's shown year after year he's the best receiver in football. Julio Jones is great. There is nothing DeAndre Hopkins can't do. His hands are amazing. He doesn't drop passes. And you mix that with Larry Fitzgerald, who's dropped less passes in his career than probably anyone. And that's dangerous. It's, it is absolutely insane that these coaches and these organizations continue to trade away players. Not only DeAndre Hopkins, but another team in the NFC West, which was already a rich division, gets the best defensive player on the field this past weekend, Jamal Adams. If you watch that game, Jamal Adams was the best defensive player on the field. Out of any defense that I saw this weekend, he was everywhere. And then Greg Williams, who's the defensive coordinator in New York, has the nerve to talk about he's going to be bored in that defense. He didn't look very bored to me. He was all over the place. And once again, the Jets and the Texans proved to be mediocre or poor franchises because they don't want to pay their talent. This is a business. You have to have talent. Not everybody can be New England. You know, where. Oh, I want to get paid. No, nope, we'll let you go. We'll find somebody else. You're not Belichick. If everybody could do it, then everybody, when Belichick wouldn't be special. Okay? There's a reason why Belichick has been able to be that consistent. He's just different. All these other organizations and coaches, what are you doing? Adam Gase in New York. Uh, Greg Williams talking about Jamal Adams. Uh, the Houston organization for trading DeAndre Hopkins. There is no, that's not, that's not how you run a franchise. David Johnson, a good player. He's replaceable. That's not a, that's not a, a transcendent running back. Brandon Cooks, solid receiver. Like, I love Brandon Cooks. Consistent. He's not DeAndre Hopkins. Randall Cobb. So now you want to, oh, we're going to, we're going to put weapons all around Deshaun Watson and pay him $40 million. You got rid of his weapon. You got rid of Deshaun Watson's main guy. It's it's baffling. It's it's unheard of. I, I don't understand it. It's the same reason I tell people Dallas had to pay Amari Cooper. Dallas had to pay Zeke. And Dallas has to pay Dak. When you have talent, you have to pay them. Because otherwise you go back into this search for these players and you just, it's like a revolving door. And those teams know what it's like. Ask Cleveland. Ask Dallas before Romo. When you don't, when you don't pay a franchise quarterback, or you don't have one, or you're constantly searching for one, it's it's this revolving door. And what happens is you end up wasting talent. You end up wasting the prime years of somebody's career. Deshaun Watson's going to be entering his prime, and now he's without one of the best receivers to ever play this game. What DeAndre Hopkins did on Sunday is just a small sample of what, what are things that come in that offense. I'm so excited about him. But right now, the, the Houston Texans and the New York Jets 
just they looked they look silly. I mean, you see the way Houston couldn't even move the ball against Kansas City. Kansas City's defense is no powerhouse. You know what I mean? Like it's their it's not their some vaunted defense. It but they had trouble moving the ball and Deshaun Watson struggled because he had nobody to throw to, getting no separation. And when you get no separation, who do you want to throw the ball to? DeAndre Hopkins, the guy that can go get it. I just think, you know, Bill O'Brien, I, I think it's on Bill O'Brien. Obviously, he wants to be that guy that picks the players, picks the offense, picks the defense, and and he's done a poor job. They've been just good enough to be relevant, but he did a poor job with that DeAndre Hopkins situation, and he did a disservice to to Deshaun Watson, as did Adam Gase and, and Greg Williams by, by not speaking up for Jamal Adams and telling the Jets organization to get this man paid, whatever it takes. Those are difference makers. Those are what turns losing teams into winning teams. And now you have two of them, both of them going to the NFC West, which are going to give the whole division problems. There's some good teams out there. The Rams look good. I obviously still believe in the Niners and their team. Uh, they were in the Super Bowl last year. And then now Seattle and the, and the Cardinals. Uh, that That's a best division in football easily. And, there, there's going to be some battles out west. So you you coaches and GMs out there that think you know everything and keep getting rid of your, your star players and your talent because you want to be cheap and you don't want to pay them, uh, figure it out, man. Figure it out. Figure out a way to keep your talent. Otherwise, you'll be the Texans and the Jets. Neither one of them is going to the playoffs this year. All right, I'm done with that. Done with the Jets. I'm not talking about them for the rest of the day. Done with the Texans. Not talking about them the rest of the day. They don't deserve my time. All right. Um, let's talk about Matt Patricia and the Lions. You know, a couple of years ago, Jim Caldwell got fired for going 9-7. and seven. They bring in Matt Patricia, a Belichick guy. And, and we see what's happened. He hasn't won nothing either. It's the same old Lions. Can't hold on to a lead. Yes, DeAndre Swift dropped a touchdown. But the fact they were up 23 to 6, they can't hold on to a lead. We've seen this before. Romeo Cornell, uh, was it Charlie Weiss? These Belichick guys that go other places to become head coaches and trying to duplicate what Belichick did. The, the closest thing to hit that that's been successful is Mike Vrabel in Tennessee. And I, you know, I think he's solid. But as, I, as I've stated before, I think Tennessee was a little bit of a fluke last year. I think they overachieved. Uh, got away with one last night. But the not everybody can be Bill Belichick. And I get the, the, the organizations like getting these guys they're familiar with. Or, oh, they're from this coaching tree. Or they must have this. And they're not Bill Belichick. So you fired Jim Caldwell, who was a solid coach. To bring in Matt Patricia, who's done absolutely nothing. Nine and twenty-three and two or some some crazy stat like that. Again, Matt Stafford still looks like Matt Stafford. Sometimes he's good, sometimes he throws a pick to lose the game. Uh, but you paid him, but you paid him. It hasn't been a running game in Detroit since Barry Sanders. I I mean, everybody's excited about DeAndre Swift, but then they bring in 35-year-old Adrian Peterson. And you start to scratch your head and say, well, what is Adrian Peterson going to do for that team? They have a young team for the most part. 
and you bring in a 35-year-old veteran to give the bulk of the carries to who doesn't have the same abilities that he used to have. He's good, solid, but the abilities aren't the same. So what, where, what kind of direction are they really going? Um, I think Matt Patricia needs to be looked at as someone who probably won't be a coach long, and he might be one of those coaches where this might be his only head coaching opportunity for a while. So I think after this year, they might revisit the Patricia talk. Now we could see him uh, looking for a job next year. Aaron Donald destroyed the Cowboys defense or offensive line. Uh, for those people that keep saying Dallas has a good offensive line, I implore you to watch what they did in the Rams game. Their offensive line is not good. It is okay to decent. Um, there's not a top five offensive line like they used to be. Lyle Collins was out. Travis Frederick is gone. Connor Williams was getting manhandled by, by Aaron Donald and some others. Tyron Smith is still solid, but he's older. Uh, injury history. Who knows if he's going to play 16 games. The only steadfast constant on that offensive line is Zach Martin. And he even got destroyed by Aaron Donald. So I would temper the expectations of the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. Uh, a lot of that was Zeke running the ball. His vision and his ability to finish runs is like no other in the league. He's the best pure runner of the football in the NFL. And you can argue with me, Christian McCaffrey. You can argue with me, Saquon Barkley, although you can't argue with me him with, with me about him today because he only had six yards. Um, Alvin Kamar, none of them, none of those guys can take 30 carries, pound a defense, not get hurt like Ezekiel Elliott. Christian McCaffrey's versatile. He has he does things uh, that Zeke can't do. But as far as pure runner of the football, you can't name a guy. Can't name a guy. Even Derrick Henry, who you can give 30 touches to, is not Zeke. He's not fast, as fast as Zeke. He's not as shifty as Zeke, and he runs way too high. He's just big, so he falls for you know four yards to carry. Uh, but even last night, he didn't look great. Again, he just got a ton of volume. So you look at Ezekiel Elliott run the football, and there is no better pure running back. Uh, but Aaron Donald wreaked havoc on that offensive line. And I expect I expect the offensive line to be better against Atlanta, and I expect Zeke to have a, a good day. But I expect Aaron Donald to do things this week against Philadelphia and that atrocious offensive line, uh, I'm I'm expecting Aaron Donald to get three or four sacks. Carson Wentz better hope that he doesn't get hurt. Otherwise, we could see Jalen Hurts by game three because that offensive line in Philly is not going to be any match for that D-line in, in uh, Los Angeles with the Rams. And Sean McVay had a great game plan, and they outcoached. They definitely outcoached uh, Mike McCarthy in that game. Uh, McCarthy did make his adjustments at halftime and the defense looked better, but uh, offensively they, they struggled against that Rams defense and Jalen Ramsey, um, you know, push off at the end, whatever, called off some pass interference, but uh, Aaron Donald, and the Rams defense looked like they might be getting back to form the form they were two years ago. All right. <clears throat> I mentioned earlier in the show, the overreactions and this happens every year, week one. You get guys who who come out on social media, Twitter, the Twitter fingers, and they start talking shit. It, it's week one. They had no preseason. We had COVID protocols. No offseason. 
Nobody wins or loses the Super Bowl in week one. Okay. We had we had a number of teams, a number of teams that had new co- new coaches or new quarterbacks, right? I mean, if you go through the games, the Dallas Cowboys lost the game. They had a new coach, okay? You go down to the New England Patriots. They won the game, had a new quarterback. The, oh, the Carolina Panthers, new coach and new quarterback, lost. The Indianapolis Colts lose to Jacksonville, who everybody probably had as the worst team in the league. Again, new quarterback. The Chargers and the Bengals both had new uh, new quarterbacks step in there. They both looked bad, and obviously one team had to win. Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, new quarterback. They take the loss. They played against a team that's been consistent coaching quarterback forever. Um, Steelers and Giants. You had Steelers. You had ben, Big Ben come back. Um, I thought that was I thought that was cool. He looked really good, but um, he he showed out. He was one of those quarterbacks that that actually um, showed out. But you look at these teams, these these teams with these new quarterbacks or new new offensive coordinators or new head coaches. It takes time, with no off season, no rhythm. This stuff takes time. So for all those fans that are worried about their team, unless you're the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, you probably don't have to worry. Just relax. You know, if you lost, don't worry. It'll get better. If you won. Temper your expectations because who knows? Week two might look completely different. So just the overreactions the, the uh, of the week one. I, I know everybody's excited. I know football's back. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta talk the shit. We gotta calm down, relax. You're never gonna hear me talking about, oh, the Cowboys are gonna win the Super Bowl after week one, or the Cowboys are done for the season after week one. I don't care what team it is. Just temper your expectations. Look forward to week two and, and, and the matchups in week two and then see how your team adjusts. And if you're if they're making adjustments and they're getting better, that's what you want to see. If they're not, then you can start to worry a little bit um, looking at your schedule. But right now, I don't have any panic for really any team that lost that we assumed would win. Uh, yeah, I just don't. I don't have I don't have any concerns. The one the one team I, I actually have concerns about is Philly. I think a lot of people had them winning the East. But their offensive line play is, oh, my God, it's bad. Carson Wentz is on his backside every time. Uh, He's trying to do too much. He's turning over the football. He looked like the greatest quarterback in the league in the first half, and he looked like the worst quarterback I've ever seen in the second half. So uh, a little bit of worry there, especially with their injuries, and they're beat up pretty bad. But, again, seen it before, not going to overreact. All right, it's time for my power rankings after week one. And as you hear, as you'll hear, this list will change. I'm going to give you my top five, my top five teams after week one. Um, you don't get a question, my five teams. This is my five teams, not yours. So if you have your own five teams, feel free to do whatever you want with them. But these are my five teams. So just take it and deal with it. Um, at number five, it might surprise some people, but I have the Green Bay Packers. Um, they were in the championship game last year. I think they look good. I think they're they're a solid team. I I I mean, what can you say about them? They ran the ball. They Aaron Rodgers looked good. Their defense played well. They beat a good team in Minnesota. 
Uh, they're my number five team, and I expect them to be in the playoffs again and competing for a championship. My number four team, and I don't care what anybody thinks about this pick, but my f- number four team is the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I know they played the Giants, and I know they're ranked really, really high, but that defense is nasty. That defense is nasty. I mean, when you can hold Saquon Barkley, I don't care if you have me and my three kids as the offensive line. When you can hold Saquon Barkley to six yards, uh, you're doing something right. And with Big Ben back, Juju looks like he's back on his you know game. Deontay Johnson looks good. That Chase Claypool kid is going to be a problem. Uh, Eric Ebron at tight end. They're Tomlin, a head coach. I mean, what can I say about the guy? He never had a losing season. They're my number four team. I think Pittsburgh contends. I, I think Pittsburgh contends. Uh, it, it's 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 crazy. Uh, number three team, and obviously I'm putting them here because they had the reigning MVP, and I think that I, I think they'll they'll compete again. He looked like he was improved as a passer yesterday. And that's exciting. I think that's the most exciting part about Lamar Jackson is his ability to throw the football the way he did yesterday will make him literally unstoppable. I mean, he was he was phenomenal. He, he's he's going to be a problem again. Uh, he could be the reigning back-to-back MVP. I know some people have them winning a lot of games. Their schedule's a little bit easier. They're going to go beat Houston this week. So uh, my number three team is Baltimore. Um, I debated here because one of these teams should be in the top five, but they're completely out just because I kind of over it was an oversight, but uh, I'm not going to change it. Uh, I debated between Seattle and New Orleans, but I'm sticking with my my Super Bowl pick. New Orleans is the number two team. They went and they played Tampa and they did what they were supposed to do. They handled business. Uh, they're just a solid football team. I think they're the best team in the NFC. I think they they'll be in the Super Bowl. That's I mean, that's they look good. Peyton. Sean Payton, Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, adding Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook. Their defense is solid. Marshawn Lattimore just completely shut down Mike Evans. Not much else to say about the Saints. They're my number two team. And the number one team is obvious. It's Kansas City. Rolled week one as expected. Going to roll week two as expected. And Patrick Mahomes is just the best player on the planet. So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looked good. Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, weapons everywhere. Defense is opportunistic. I was worried about their defense getting exposed in the secondary because they're young. They're missing Brashad Breeland for the first four games, but that didn't seem to matter. So Andy Reid has an amazing ability to call a game, and Kansas City does not move from my number one spot until somebody takes it. So until they lose the game, they will be there every week. So five Green Bay, four Pittsburgh, three Baltimore, two New Orleans, one KC with an honorable mention of Seattle because Seattle will probably battle the New Orleans Saints um, if they keep playing the way they played this past weekend. Interesting game this this Sunday night, uh, New England and Seattle. We're going to talk about that one here in a minute, but I'm excited to see that battle. So that's my that's my week after week one power rankings. Let's talk about week two. Uh, I'm not as excited about this schedule, so we're going to get through these picks fairly quickly and call it a day. We have a full slate of games again. Last week, I went 7-8. and eight. Um, Remember, I'm not picking the Thursday night game because this is airing on Friday. And I don't want people to think I cheated. 
but I didn't do too well. Um, seven and eight against the spread. Uh, a couple of games came down to the end, and I got screwed. But that's okay. It'll get better um, as the season goes on. Week one is always tough, man. Week one is you just don't know what to expect, and then you add in the fact that they didn't have preseason, and we're right back. You know, we're, we're trying to decide who's good, who's not good, who's going to come out hot, who's not. You know, who's ready to play, who isn't. You know, home home games are different. There's no fans. Uh, home field advantage is almost gone. It's just a strange year, so uh, hopefully we get better as as the season goes on. Let's start with my Cowboys. Cowboys are favored. Home opener against Atlanta, minus five. I feel like this is a lot of points for a team that just got, gave up 422 yards on, on defense. And then we have to go and now watch them play Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, and that offense. I, I think five points is a lot, man. Um, I'm going to go Atlanta here. I think they cover. Uh, Dallas could win the game. I think Atlanta's defense is young and not very good. So I think I think Dallas will be able to move the ball a little bit better. I think I think Zeke will have a big day. I think Dak will, Dak will play well and then the receivers. But five points is a lot in this game. I'm going to go with Atlanta. Uh, Giants go to Chicago. Uh, yeah, yeah, these games are tough. Chicago's a six-point favorite. I don't think Chicago's very good. I know they came back against Detroit. I just, I, I just, I just don't think they're very good. I, not that the Giants are better, and you know, if Khalil Max getting to the quarterback the way Pittsburgh was was putting pressure on Daniel Jones and stopping the run, um, that you know, then it could be a blowout. But I'm gonna take the Giants. I think the, I think the Giants cover the six points. Um, they might outright win that game, but I'm definitely I'm gonna I'm gonna take New York. I know this is two weeks in a row I've taken New York, and I'm not a New York fan, but I think they're young and they're energetic, and I just like something about them, other than their play caller and Jason Garrett. <laughs> but we have a history, so uh, I get away with that. But I'm gonna take the Giants, needless to say, and uh, we'll see what happens. Detroit goes to Green Bay. Green Bay is a five and a half point favorite. Green Bay all day. Aaron Rodgers is going to torch that defense. No Darius Slay. Who knows if Jeff Okuda is going to play this week? Um, even if he does, he's still a rookie and he's not going to cover Devontae Adams. Because if he does, then he will look embarrassed because Devontae Adams is unguardable. I expect a big day from Aaron Jones, a big day from Devontae Adams, and Aaron Rodgers again. Green Bay wins. They cover the, or they, um, yeah, they cover the five and a half. So Green Bay by more than five and a half. Jacksonville, Tennessee. Tennessee by nine. Oh, boy. That, that's a lot of points. Division game. Jacksonville's on the road. I am taking Jacksonville plus nine. I think Gardner Minshew is a gamer. Love the stash. 19 of 20. Three touchdowns. He balled out against a Colts defense. That's not bad. They're solid. And... Although Tennessee is probably the better team, I think Jacksonville covers the nine. Tennessee is run heavy. They don't blow a lot of teams out. I think Jacksonville gets them enough. Um, you know, with the you're going to run Derrick Henry 30 times. Probably going to be a, a quick game, low scoring. I'm going to go Jacksonville plus nine. Toughest game of the week, Minnesota Indy. I think Minnesota will be hungry to to bounce back but as will indy indy's indy's at home i am going to take indy minus three buffalo and miami we have miami's plus five and a half i'm going buffalo 
I think Buffalo is really, really good. Ryan Fitzpatrick turns the ball over too much, even though I like him. Buffalo should win this game by five and a half or more. I don't think there's a question about that. Lock of the week is the Niners. Niners are six and a half point favorites over the Jets. I think this game is a blowout. Somewhere along the lines of 31 to 10. The Jets are atrocious. And they're not good. They're just not good. And the Niners should bounce back and get right against, against the Jets. So my lock of the week, which I am 1-0 on lock picks. My lock of the week last week with Buffalo playing the Jets. This week it's the Niners. Next week who plays the Jets probably will be my lock. Uh, Rams and Philly. Philly is a one and a half underdog at home, which says a lot to me, man. It, it says a lot about what they think about that first week and that D-line against going against that offensive line. And I'm actually going to take the Rams on the road minus one and a half. I think that Aaron Donald and that defensive line will have its way. With Carson Wentz and that Philadelphia offensive line that's banged up, I will take the Rams minus one and a half. Denver and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is favored by seven. That, man, that Denver defense, or that Pittsburgh defense is so nice. Um, I like Denver, man. Drew Locke was a sleeper of mine. Noah Fant looked good. You know, big deal if Cortland Sutton doesn't play. I think they're thin at wide receiver after that. I'm going to take Pittsburgh and the seven points because Pittsburgh's just really, really, really good. Carolina and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is favored by nine and a half. I am taking Tampa Bay in this game. I think Tampa Bay absolutely destroys Carolina. I think Tom Brady comes back and has a bounce back game. The Carolina defense is young and inexperienced. Tampa Bay will exploit that and they will win by two touchdowns. Washington goes to Arizona and faces Kyler Murray. Arizona's favored by six and a half. This is a tough one. Not because I think Washington will win, but that defensive line is really good. And Ron Rivera, man, he's a, he's a solid coach. He knows what he's doing. But too much Arizona, too much Kyler Murray. I will take the Cardinals by a touchdown. Kansas City and the Chargers. No Derwin James. Tyrod Taylor Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen look to be struggling to move the ball early. Kansas City wins this game by more than eight and a half. They're going to probably be the biggest favorites every week, them in Baltimore. Um, I think they're. I think those two are probably just, the way they run their team, their offense, and then their defense mixed in. They're going to be the biggest favorites every week, but I, I, can't, I can't bet the underdog here. I'll go KC minus eight and a half. Baltimore-Houston, again, Baltimore minus seven. I'll take Baltimore. Houston is not very good. Houston won't make the playoffs. They did Desh Deshaun Watson um, a disservice. So I will take Baltimore there. New England-Seattle, love what Cam Newton did. Uh, love what Cam Newton did. They ran the ball 65% of the time, though. And if they're going to try to win games that way, the teams that they're not going to be able to beat are Seattle, New Orleans, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Kansas City. That's just my opinion. They could win. They could beat all the other teams that way. Run the ball, play good defense. Those other teams are too explosive. I will take Seattle, minus four, at home. And the Monday night game is New Orleans and Las Vegas. First game in Las Vegas for the Raiders. Uh, they're just not good enough. I like the Raiders, like them a lot, like what they're doing, but New Orleans should win that game, and I will take New Orleans minus six and a half in Las Vegas. Drew Brees should have a big day, even if Michael Thomas doesn't play. Look for Emmanuel Sanders to get off, Jared Cook and Alvin Kamara. 
So I will go New Orleans minus six and a half. So I have Atlanta plus five, Giants plus six, Green Bay minus five and a half, Jacksonville plus nine, Indianapolis minus three, Buffalo minus five and a half, San Francisco minus six and a half, the Rams minus one and a half, Pittsburgh minus seven, Tampa Bay minus nine and a half, Arizona minus six and a half, Kansas City minus eight and a half, Baltimore minus seven, Seattle minus four, and the New Orleans Saints minus six and a half. Those are my picks this week. Lock them in. Uh, win some money. Join us next Wednesday. We will recap all the fantasy action with my boy, David Gonzalez. And then next Friday, we'll talk about week three, recapping week two. Uh, just a heads up, in a few weeks, we got a special guest. My boy, Marshawn Tate, will be joining the show. We will be talking a lot of 49ers. Uh, it'll be coming week four, so... By then we'll know if the Niners are uh, looking like they did last year, or do we have to do we have to have uh, some concerns if he even shows up? I mean, if they start if they if they start one and three, or uh, or zero oh and four, then uh, he might not show up. He might decide, you know what, I'm not going onto the sideline to sideline podcast. But uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Follow us on Twitter at S Two Podcast, Instagram uh, sideline to sideline underscore podcast. Uh, you can follow my Facebook page if you want, Aaron Mukes. I post stuff on there. Appreciate all the love. We will see you for week three. Good luck, everybody, in their fantasy matchups. And for your teams, don't overreact. It's early in the season. Go Cowboys. See you guys later. Peace out.